Good morning, everyone. Grateful that uh, the church is not just somewhere we go on Sunday or a building or an organization, but that it's a family. And I do want to say, uh, you know, Betty Collins, who was singing up here just a moment ago, has a voice of an angel, has been serving for uh, almost two decades of using her gifts in this way of worshiping, leading us in worship. Where is Betty? Uh, there she is. She's hiding. She just slid down in the seat. Uh, but, you know, Betty's gone through a very hard time with the loss of her mom and other family members, and it's just a, a dear sister here in the fellowship. She just asked me to read a note of thanks to you, uh, to the L.A. Church, but specifically here the South Bay Church family, uh, just for her lo- your love, your support, gifts of encouragement, cards, hugs, all of it during this just uh, season of difficult grief for her. She just talked about how your actions, uh, your prayers, your words, uh, have just really showed God's love to her right now and miraculous comfort. And she just wanted to say thank you. So, Betty, we love you and we're here for you and so grateful to you. Um, church is a family as well with new birth. We uh, celebrate babies being born and we also celebrate people being baptized or being restored to the faith. And uh, right now I get a chance to introduce uh, one of your new sisters who got baptized a week ago today. And uh, this is uh, the fruit of the uh, kids' Kingdom, Junior High Ministry, Teen Ministry, Family Ministry, and Singles Ministry. So I give to you uh, Erica Young, who's going to introduce your new sister in Christ. It has um, definitely been an honor just studying with Alyssa. And um, I was thinking about, you know, who does she remind me of in the Bible? And I was thinking about Zacchaeus, not just because we're both short, but but because, um, you know, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And he, um, when he wanted to know who Jesus was, he went, he took the extra steps just to go and meet him and see him. And along the way, she's done that every step of the way. You know, she was struggling with different things at work. She would look up scriptures, and I would show her the same ones. She's like, oh, I just read that one, you know, um, and then even in the fact of different challenges that we've given her, um, she's um, just like Zacchaeus, where he just was like, I just want, you know, I'm going to give back, I'm going to give back and then some, and she did, just has done the exact same thing where she's just really met every challenge, um, and it just shows how much power that if you really let God in, how much he can really transform you, and Alyssa has been completely transformed, she's a different person, I've just been um, inspired, grateful, um, I'm really grateful to call you my sister in Christ and just my friend. And so this is Alyssa, who just got baptized this past Sunday. We uh, are today uh, in the second uh, uh, sermon series of our series called Greater Than. So we're just going to watch the intro video that we showed last week. Well, today, uh, if you could turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10, uh, we're going to do a study out of the book of Acts. And talk about how the Spirit of God works through people like you and I, flawed people, sinners, uh, people in the right place at God's time. And uh, today, I'm talking about greater than myself. And, you know, you think about it. uh, Brian taught last week uh, about just the Spirit of God in general. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about how the Spirit of God works through us and how the Spirit of God needs to be greater than our life. And, uh, you know, you see this picture on the screen. Uh, We all want to make a difference. In fact, young people feel like when they're first young and they're idealistic and haven't been hurt yet or dashed dreams, they feel like, I want to make a difference. I want to change the world. And then, you know, life gets in the way and you have disappointments and you can get a little selfishly ambitious and so on and so forth. 
kind of lose your way. But then typically, when people hit their middle age or past 50 or 60s, they start realizing, wow, this stuff doesn't matter. My days have always been numbered, but I feel it now. What's really important to my life? And I want to make a difference. And I think whether you're young or old, God put in us the desire to make a difference. You know, that picture, the ripple effect, where you drop a rock into a lake or a pond or any kind of water and it spreads out. You know, that's God's desire for us. That our little life on this earth, that's finite, short, numbered days, one spa- we can only be in one place at one time, would make a difference that would have a ripple effect long after we're gone. That's God's desire. And Brian talked about last week about how the Spirit is a teacher and a comforter and, and it counsels us and connects us and convicts us and all kinds of things. Today I want to speak about specifically how the Spirit wants us to testify. That's one of the things the Spirit wants us to do. You know, uh, this picture here on the screen, I, I can't walk around, it's going to be a little tough, but I'll try. Here we go. This picture on the screen right here of a sailboat. I have never sailed in my life. I've been on a sailboat. I looked up how to sail just to see if I could give a better description of the illustration, but I got confused on how it works because there's multiple pieces to it, and it's really interesting how it works. But, you know, the whole concept is to get your sail to catch the wind and then to use the rudder and to use the way the wind's going to get you to go the direction that you want to go. And this passage here in John 3 we're going to look at this verse and another, and then we'll go right into the book of Acts. In John 3, Jesus is trying to explain to a very religious man, highly learned, named Nicodemus, about how there's things going on behind the scenes that can't be studied a book, quantified on a spreadsheet, figured out through a formula that are just the workings of God. And, you know, when you think about everybody's life here, everybody here has a story, and everybody that's a Christian has a conversion story. That God did something throughout the, our lives to bring us to a point to where we're willing to listen. And when you think about it, the conversion story doesn't stop at baptism. He keeps working behind the scenes of our life. But Nicodemus says to Jesus, as Jesus is trying to explain to him how God works, he says, how can this be? And, and, and Jesus says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. Or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to catch the wind. I don't want to be, catch the wind and be blown over. I want to catch the wind and ride in the direction that God wants me to go with my life. And I can't see where the wind's coming from, but I can figure it out and I can move the sail in the direction in order to catch that wind and take God to take me where he wants me to go. And I think that's how we all are. We want to catch the wind. We don't want to just sit there not moving around out in the middle of nowhere. This other passage here in John 5, Jesus says to a crowd, he says that criticized him, some of the religious leaders again, he says, Jesus says, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Whether you're going through a a mountaintop right now in your life or a valley in your life, God is working behind the scenes. You see, I don't feel it. We just have to tune in. Uh, some of us that are over a certain age, remember how we used to use the radio? Or as my parents would call it, the hi-fi. Do you remember that? And I'll tell you, when the hi- if you had a hi-fi, you were, you were rolling. 
And you'd go in there and you'd turn it and try to get it in. And you'd try all kinds of things with your antennas and to try to get it perfect. And that's what God wants. God wants us to get down on his spiritual hi-fi. And he wants us to turn the dial. This is a radio, guys, like a high-end radio back in the day. It was the iPod of the day. It was the thing to have. And you'd get in there and you'd try to tune it. And then you'd get it crystal clear. And you're like, oh, yeah. And then if it was stereo, not just mono, you were rolling. But God is always working. Behind the scenes. The issue is, can we hear him? Do we sense him? And I think it's so easy for me to get wrapped up in my life. You know, I've many times I've shared my faith with strangers. And the reason I did was I felt prompted. For whatever reason, I noticed you and not you. And then I'd have a little conversation with myself very quickly. Am I supposed to talk to this person? Well, you noticed them. You know, real quick. Yeah, but I notice everybody. No, but them. Well, you're going to talk to You know, I have a quick conversation sometimes. And then I'll talk to him. And people have told me over the years, why did you stop and talk to me? And sometimes just to get a fun reaction, I'll go, because God told me. <laughs> I go, what? And I'll say, well, I mean, he didn't, I didn't have a voice or anything. I just felt prompted. Um, but, you know, God speaks to all of us. The issue is, are we tuned in his wavelength to hear? I'll never forget uh, years ago, 1990. Two, Michelle and I just got married. We live in an apartment complex called La Mirage. It was a really cool complex. A lot of uh, people uh, lived there that were in the movie industry or TV industry. It was like 2,200 units in one apartment complex. And it had this jogging trail and its own gym. I met Lorenzo Lamas. Remember Renegade, the TV show? The guy, I invited him to church. He was very cold to me. And he was on his third marriage, and he said, uh, I said, that's kind of rough. I, and he goes, well, I figured it out now. And then he got divorced shortly after that. Uh, and I met at the Indian guy, too, that was on that show, too, and, and all kinds of interesting people. But one day I was running around the track, and there was this older gentleman um, walking fast the other direction, and the spirit prompted me to stop and share with him. And it was really weird because I was running, but I thought, who cares? Maybe he'll become a Christian anyway, and it looks weird. So I stopped him, and I said, excuse me. He's like, what? You know, I thought I was going to jump him or something because of my size. And um, <laughs> clearly, clearly. And uh, I said, I just wanted to invite you to my church. And he said, why did you talk to me? I said, well, I just felt prompted. And he goes, that's weird, because I was yelling out loud inside. I was so angry and so frustrated. Um, and uh, the fact that you just stopped and talked to me. And I said, well, God wanted me to, and what are you going to do about it? And anyway, he studied the Bible and became a Christian. Uh, older guy, very interesting story I can tell you about later. But we've got to tune in to what God is doing. And remember Brian talked about that the Spirit is not an it or a thing, but what? It's a he, it's a him. And I think this quote I found, the Spirit is not a thing apart. It is in every thought, in every word, and every act. We can't take our lives when we think about the Spirit of God being greater than our lives. We cannot or should not compartmentalize our lives. This is my work life. This is my family life. This is my church life. And this is my time, my life. The Spirit can't be divided in little pieces. It's in every part of our life. And when you talk to people here, and they share with you their miracle story, you'll find that somebody met them on their job, on the running path, at the mailbox. A family member talked to them at a bar, at the grocery store, at a hospital, in a hospital room, 
in a dentist chair. I mean, just somewhere odd that the Spirit spoke to them through somebody because somebody had the attitude, hey, I don't take God to different parts of my life. The Spirit's in every part of my life and in every act of my life. You know, I, I have the privilege of of uh, leading a teen Bible study every week, and I bring pizza, and it's, you know, and I... and. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's at PB High School. It's, I have 18 minutes to do a Bible study, set, hand out the pizzas, get people talking, and get them on their way before the bell buzzes. It's a very interesting. I've tried all kinds of techniques. And it's interesting, you know. But it's great. I'm so grateful. I, you know, I, any, every week there's anywhere from 8 to 15 non-Christians uh, that want pizza. And the word. Maybe more pizza. And as I'm walking across campus, people probably think I'm the pizza guy because I've got the stack of pizzas, you know, and... And, uh, you know, I get a lot of funny looks. And, hey, can I have a piece? And I will come to this Bible study. You can have a piece. And, um, and I just thought how cool it is that my daughters would even want me to be at high school. You know what I'm saying? Like, if my dad came on campus, I would be like, oh, my gosh. You've got to be kidding me. Dad, what, is there an emergency or something? Or, I just would be so uncomfortable. But it's so great uh, that here's teenagers that want to get the word out. And as we learned last week when Brian spoke... When you get baptized, the Bible says you get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit starts to live inside of you. And it teaches you and counsels you and convicts you and prompts you and guides you. And it also is meant to be let out. It's not meant to just be kept in to take care of your life. The Spirit is to be greater than our life. Greater than our challenges. Greater than these different seasons of our lives. And to be let out. To be testified about. You know, I had a, I have one point today that will reflect through the whole, all the scriptures. And this is something my dad taught me when I was about six or eight. I don't remember the exact age, but I remember vividly. I, I grew up, my mom still lives in the same house on Camp McDonald Road. Uh, Fifty years she's almost lived there. And I was crossing the street on Camp McDonald Road. My dad was holding my hand. And he said, Marco, wait. And I looked up. And my dad was shorter than me, so I wasn't looking very far. I looked up, and he said, uh, stop, look left, look right, look left again. I don't know what was at the left, the right, and the left again. He left again. He said, stop. Then he goes, look left, right, left, and then listen. I'm like, for what? But I'll never forget. I mean, that was like a long time ago. And yet it taught me from that one moment to be careful when I cross the street, because I might miss something, and you know the margin of error there is not very high. But I think it's the same thing with the Spirit. We get so busy with our lives that, and I can feel this, I can get so consumed with my own emotions, problems, bills, struggles, schedule, errands, trips, doctor's appointments, blah, 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 things that I can just go through life and not take the time to stop, look left, Look right. Look left again. And go, what's God doing in this opportunity? To look. Who can I talk to in this just moment? To listen. God, what are you saying right now? I'm not talking about 15 minutes. I'm talking about a pause. And that's what you see in the book of Acts. You see people just like you and me with the same limitations, the same challenges that decided to stop, look, and listen. Look in Acts chapter 10. We're going to talk about a few areas. 
that we need to stop, look, and listen as it relates to the Holy Spirit. Number one, and most importantly, is with your family. You know, here in Acts chapter 10 and verse 1, it says at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. This is a big deal because he was not a Jew. And up to this point, just the Jews were receiving the Spirit of God. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. And if you keep going on and you read that verse, you can write it down and read it later. He has a vision. An angel says, Cornelius, God has seen your seeking of me. He's seen your prayers. He's seen your love for the poor. He's seen your devotion. He's seen your leadership of your family. And he cares. And I'm going to send someone to help you. And so Cornelius, being a God-sensitive man, a spirit-sensitive man, even though he didn't have the Holy Spirit yet, he was sensitive to spiritual things. He took it very seriously. And he immediately got one of his soldiers versus going, that was weird. Is it the heat in here or what is it? Why did I see that vision? I don't know. I've got to get some advice. He responded right away, sent somebody, This sent a... Uh, soldier to go find this guy named Peter who he didn't know to bring him back got all of his friends and family together and brought his brought them all together to go hey we're here to learn and I you know I think about this about God the spirit being greater than our lives where the spirit needs to be the strongest is in our families that's who God is calling us to evangelize first and foremost and I want to commend the moms and dads in this room. You have made a difference. You are making a difference. And you will make a difference. And it's not over until it's over until it's over. Every time you go on your knees or go to your spot or go to your parking garage or get to work 20 minutes early so you can sit in your car and pray, God notices. That goes up like incense, the Bible says, before God. And God's Spirit responds. You go, but it's not happening the way I want. It never happens the way we want. Every time you teach your kids about God, both in your example and in your repentance and in your vulnerability and in your humility and in them seeing you give to God financially, them seeing you give in your work for the poor, them seeing you have somebody at your dinner table again and again who's weak or young or just needs encouragement, or it's their birthday, they notice. It makes a difference. You're letting the Spirit of God work through you to weave threads into their spiritual psyche that will grow seeds, or that seeds will grow. I want you to believe that. I want you to be encouraged by that. And I want you to see that as your primary ministry. It makes a difference. You know, it's so inspiring seeing Ryan Weekly up here preaching because I was Dave's minister when his first wife died. I was, in the ho- I was in the hospital room as a 23-year-old man. And I remember what Dave went through. And I remember Mary being met. And I remember Mary studying the Bible. And I, remember, I just remembered how God took something tragic in both their lives and made something so beautiful. To where Ryan's up here in tears showing a picture of his graduation saying, That's my dad. He taught me about God. I'm like, man, the Spirit's powerful. And I'm so thankful 
for the moms and dads in this room that honor God. Don't stop. You know, hearing Jackie's, uh, Steve share about Jackie's prayers for her mom, her sister, her nieces, her family members for years and years and years and years and years. Seeing Steve and Jackie with their kids and reaching out. It inspires me. It's making a difference. Them listening to the Spirit is making a difference. I appreciate the single parents in, our, in this room that this is your ministry and you've got to do it by yourself in a sense. Not by yourself because we're a family. But single-handedly in a lot of ways. I respect you. You're twice as strong as me. Don't give up. Don't think you're not making a difference. Keep going. It matters. Never give up. Listen to the Spirit. You know, I appreciate Rico McClinton, who just came over from the family ministry to the singles. And I talked to him about it. And the thing he said to me, he said, Marco, I'd love to come over and help. And he's already made a huge difference. He's a single dad. Huge difference. All heart. You think he's all muscle? He's not. All heart. That's just a, that's just a show. It's all heart. Rico, you know what I'm saying, man. And um, he said, Marco, but I've got to be able to go to my family group in the family ministry every Friday night because that's for my kids and me and our family, and that's most important to me. And I said, bro, amen, we'll work that all out. And I appreciate that spirit, that heart. His faithfulness is going to make a difference with the spirits. Let me say something to the siblings, those of you that have more of a desire for God right now. Keep going. You're going to make a difference on your brothers and sisters. Keep after it. Let me say something to the wives whose husbands maybe aren't as strong or aren't following God as the way you'd want. Keep going. Listen to the Spirit. This is our primary ministry, and it makes a difference. You know, I'm proud of Lourdes Luterman with her love for her daughter and lack of judgment for years and years and years to where now Lourdes is standing up. I mean, um, Alyssa was standing up here, a changed woman. Let's talk about another spot that the Spirit works. Here in Acts 16. We're going to look at Acts 16 and then the rest of the time in Acts 18. In Acts 16, this whole idea of a long life's way. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. Do you ever have to get in, as the British say, the queue, the line? You know, that they put that little thing, what's that called? That rope that's, you know what I'm talking about? And you just want to like duck under it. They're like, no, no, no. Start over here. You like walk all the way down. Then you walk all the way that way. Then you walk all the way down just to get in line. I hate waiting. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I get in my mind. I got to get these things done. I want to go get them done. And yet that's not how life works. Life is full of interruptions. Tires go flat. People don't show up. You get in the front of the line and after waiting for a long time, the person says, you're in the wrong line. That would happen to me in college all the time, and I would just, like, get infuriated. Like, she said, you're supposed to be in building 453. I just came from building 453. She said this one, back to building 453. I mean, probably where we get tested the most is the DMV, which I just now do it all online, you know. Don't get tickets and do it online, you know. Just... But, you know, along life's way, we all get interrupted, and God's Spirit is still working very powerfully. Here, Paul is on, it's on the Sabbath, okay? It's on a Saturday. He went outside to the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman named Lydia. And if you keep reading, it says, the Lord opened her heart. So there was a group of women there. 
rather than getting frustrated, man, there's no private place to pray. I was going to have my prayer time right now. Brothers, let's go. There's these ladies here and they're going to want to talk. Let's go. He looked at it as an opportunity and it says the Lord opened her heart and Lydia responded to the message. Do you know, all along the way in life, you're expecting to do one thing, getting one thing done, go to this place, do that, do this, do that, do this, and you get interrupted along life's way, and you decide at that point, do I just keep doing what I'm doing, get frustrated, or do I look for the opportunity? You know, as you talk to people about their conversion stories, it's amazing how the Spirit works along life's way. You know, I think about Sandy Rutherford getting her hair cut. 16 years, right? You must do a good job, Sylvie, for her to come to you for 16 years. And Sylvie's bubbly and joyful and does a good job cutting hair. But, you know, Sandy was the first conversion of the whole L.A. church. And faithfully sat in that chair to get her hair cut and built a friendship and showed God's love over and over and over and over again. Didn't just share faith, but just show God's love, took an interest. And 16 years later, Sandy baptizes one of her dear friends, who's now also her sister, into Christ, a long life's way in the, I don't know what you call it, beautician's chair, stylist chair. It's not a barber's chair, yeah, stylist chair. You know, uh, Bernardo. Bernardo was getting his master's. He just finished in behavioral science. So whenever you talk to him, watch his eyes. He's analyzing you. And uh, he was uh, very opinionated. Still is for Jesus now, though. And um, Winter Johnson walks into a Starbucks, invites him. He comes, and he studies for a while. was very stubborn while he was studying, but he had a soft heart. And he just kept listening and listening and listening. And because Winter talked to him at Starbucks, didn't know him, Bernardo became a Christian and is one of the main leaders here in the singles ministry. And just a great brother. But it's because somebody along life's way... I don't think she went into Starbucks to share her faith. She probably went in for a latte or something like that, or a chai tea, but instead shared her faith as well. You know, I, years ago, I was in the gym. I wanted to evangelize. I didn't typically go to the gym on Saturdays or Sundays. It wasn't a conviction thing. It was a busy thing. And so I thought, you know what? I've got a little bit of time. I want to go to the gym, and I want to share my faith. But I really want to share my faith and go to the gym. You know, kind of both. And so I had about 20 minutes. I ran into the gym. I was... I was going to get really big in 20 minutes, and, uh, and I normally don't share with women. It's not a personal thing. It's just I usually share with guys, and sometimes women, but mostly guys. And, but there wasn't a lot of people around there on Saturday, and so I'm on the tricep machine. I was just cranking it. And uh, this woman walks next to me, not to look at my triceps, just happened to be standing there. And I felt prompted, share with her. And so I did, and... It's the only person I talked to in the gym, and I was out of there in 20 minutes. Uh, and it was Noreen Tagalog, who's now Noreen Marino. And she goes, that is so weird. I just moved her from the Philippines, and I was looking for a church. She came to church the next day in Long Beach. It was a regional. Came to the front to find us and was super open and became a Christian shortly after that. And Nerica and Nariz, her sisters, were not very open. They were at the baptism. They were friendly, but they were not very open. You guys remember that? They made it very clear, too. Nerica tried to mad dog me, and Nerisa's like, no, thank you. <laughs> but over time, Nerica started coming to our Bible talk. She was getting ready to transfer to UCLA. She became a Christian. Then over time, Nerisa at Cal State Long Beach became a Christian. And I couldn't imagine our fellowship without the Tagalog family. 
They have one more that we got to pray for. Nemesis is his name, literally. Pray for him. But anyway, it's almost like a whole family. Why? Along life's way. Trying to get some triceps. But you think about that. You know, this last story here about a long life's way. I was meeting with Chris Soto for coffee this morning and ta- and we were talking and I, s- I said, how did you get met? He said, well, and I asked him if I could share the story. He said, I was at a karaoke bar with my boys and we were drinking. And so one of my buddies walked over to a- April was there at the restaurant and April was there with her 16 year old sister and somebody else, I think, and and was there and. The brothers said, the, the group of guys said, hey, my buddy there, talking about Chris. They were trying to pick up on them. My buddy here is from NorCal, wants to meet you. And April got offended. And uh, April's 16-year-old sister says, why don't you invite him to church? And so April says, well, give me your number and you can come to a karaoke night. But April, and I don't recommend this, did a bait and switch. It was a karaoke night with a Bible study. So he comes there, because all Filipinos have a magic mic. And so, it's true. At least festive Filipinos. And so she invites him to this karaoke night, and she goes, oh, by the way, there's a Bible study beforehand. April. And uh, he's like, all right. Uh, But Chris became a disciple uh, from drinking in a bar. His friends saying, hey, meet my boy from NorCal. And April's 16-year-old sister is saying, why don't you invite him? There's so many people that as we're expecting one thing, God is always working to expect something else. How about on the job? You know, think about how much time we spend in our life on the job. Almost our whole life is on the job. Can you go back one? I don't know what happened there. There you go. You know, Paul, it says in verse in Acts 18, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and he worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And when you look, keep reading Priscilla and Aquila, keep coming up over and over and over again. Aquila was met. They had some common interests. They're both tent makers. They're working together. Paul gets to know him better. He already has a spiritual background. And on the job, he makes a huge influence on Aquila. Aquila goes and tells his wife Priscilla. Priscilla and Aquila help start different churches. They find Apollos. They do all kinds of things. You know, God has you on your job for a reason. I remember Joe Salippo years ago telling me this story. He was talking to a brother in Boston. He says, I've shared with everybody at my work. He goes, really, everybody? How many people work at your office? About 500. It was like for Bell Labs. You've shared with all 500? Well, no, but everybody on my floor. Well, how many years have you been there? Like 10 years. Well, okay. Is there anybody else? He goes, why don't you take out your roster and start putting dots next to everybody you've already invited and then start praying for everybody else and see what can happen. And it like opened the guy's whole mind to the fact that there's probably a lot of other people on the floor above me, below me, next to me, here, here there, and everywhere that uh, would be open to the gospel possibly if I listened to the Spirit. And you can say, well, I can't share on the job. Well, I was talking to Martin yesterday, and I said, Martin, how were you met? He goes, well, my mom and dad are patients of Tess Tinoco, who's a dentist. And they've been sitting in their dentist chair for years. 
And I got some medical insurance and hadn't gone to the dentist in a while. And so my parents said, you better go to the dentist. And so she, he comes to the dentist and meets Tess. And Tess invites him to church. And Martin's a great brother here in the fellowship. You say, well, Tess owns the company so she can share her faith. Yes, you're right. That does make a difference. But let me eliminate that, too. There are all kinds of creative ways you can share your faith at your job. You could say to somebody, so what did you do this weekend? Oh, nothing. Hoping they'll say, what did you do? Oh, let me tell you. You know, you could share with them. Hey, I went and served the poor yesterday. Or I had this great party with friends from church. Or I'm very active in my church. I'm really thankful. It's actually the highlight of my week. Or you can, There's all kinds of ways. Someone shares about something they're going um, through in a hard time. You could say, hey, can I... Would you mind if I put you on my prayer list, if you could just give me a couple details? I will commit to praying for you. You can say to somebody, hey, I know you're going through a hard time. I really feel for you. Here's what comforts me when I'm in pain. I have good spiritual friends that I can trust and get good advice from. I read the Bible a lot. It's amazing how much it makes sense, if you ever want to know about it. And I pray a lot. It really calms my soul. And God answers prayers. I mean, there's all kinds of ways. But we've got to be in step with the Spirit because we spend 40 years of our life, 8 to 12 hours a day, 5 days a week, sometimes 6 days a week, around all these people for an opportunity. You know, we had a sister get baptized last Friday on Valentine's Day named Nancy, and she's going to be introduced next week. But Nancy was met, I found out yesterday, Rich Sanchez is a salesman at Gold's Gym. And Nancy walked in and he said, I said to myself, oh, I'm going to sell her the big package. That's quote unquote, the big package. But then he said, I said, well, what happened? He goes, I saw something on her face. Well, what do you mean? He said, I just sensed her being troubled. Did you still sell her the big package? Okay, he's shaking. No, I did. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And uh, he said that. I, and so I took a moment to show care. I said, are you okay? You, you, you seem a little troubled. I said, well, why'd you do that? You're at work. He goes, I just felt prompted to. I just had to because she looked. And and I said, is it relationship stuff? And she said, yeah. And then he shared about his church and he shared about how things help him. And he goes, I'll just get you some information. So he got her Facebook and emailed her the link to the website of our singles ministry. And she's come out for the last few months and got baptized uh, just last Friday. But I appreciate him being sensitive to the spirit, being careful while he's on his job, but being sensitive to the spirit. We can make a great impact on our job. Two more here of ways that we can let the spirit out. Stop, look, and listen. During the night. This is an interesting study. I wish you could do a whole sermon just on this. But we all go through dark times in our life. There's a a mystic from the 6th century called St. John of the Cross. He calls it the dark night of the soul. There's a whole study on it. Where you just go through a really difficult time in life. Because, you know, at night you can't see things like you can during the day. And if you do a study, God's spirit spoke to Paul many times in the night. It says in Acts 16, 25, Paul had just been persecuted for preaching the word. He had been beaten bad, flogged to the point of death, and he was put in stocks. Stocks are those things where your hands and your feet are locked into the wood and your head's through the thing maybe as well, and you're locked. So you're beaten really bad. You're humiliated. You're down to your loincloth. You're locked in these things. And it says they were... Paul, about midnight, this is their situation. Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. First of all, for a guy to sing around 
prisoners that aren't Christians would be a little rough. I, I don't know what they were singing. Unto thee, O Lord, give me oil in my lamp. Keep it burning. It's dark down. I don't know what they were singing, but they're praying and they're singing. And the other prisoners probably at first, shut up, come on, trying to sleep. But it says they were listening. Why? It was calming them. It was, it was like they brought the Spirit of God into the prison versus the Spirit of the prisoners into them. And, and it says, suddenly, there was a violent earthquake. The foundation of the prison was shaken. All the prison doors are open. And everybody's chains come loose. What would you have done? One thing. Three-letter word. What? Run! See, I didn't even have to prompt you. Run! You know what Paul did? He yelled for lights. Get lights! And the, the prison guards saw, because in those days, if the prisoners got away, it was life for life. You'd be killed. So the prisoner, who was a father as well, and a husband, went to grab his sword and was right about ready to kill himself. And what does Paul do rather than running like all the rest of the prisoners, I'm sure, did? He says, don't harm yourself! That's the guy that just either harmed him or oversaw the harming. Don't harm yourself! We are all here! And the guy comes and runs and trembles and falls before his feet. Sir, what must I do to be saved? He says, believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your whole household, and you'll be saved. And at the middle of the night, he goes and helps his whole family become Christians and get baptized. And that same jailer starts washing his wounds and has a meal and is filled with joy. You know, it is the hardest for me to think about others during dark times. And yet when you look through the scriptures over and over and over again in the book of Acts, God spoke to Paul during some of the darkest times. And Paul listened to the Spirit, and God used him very powerfully, even though emotionally he was in the pits. He was physically in the pits. Mentally struggling. Situation bleak. And I don't know about you, but when that happens to me, I'm just trying to make it through the day. What's that song by MC Hammer? Pray, pray, just to make it through, you know. That, I can feel that. You want me to sing it? I'm, no. I Dance it too? You've got to pray. You can tell MC Hammer is really popular today. But I'm, I, I have a hard time thinking about one other person. So the Spirit can be doing its thing, telling me, Marco, stop here, look here, listen here. And I'm like, hey, I just want to get to the next situation. And But I want to tell you that God can work sometimes the most powerfully then because it's all Him, obviously. And I'll tell you what non-Christians like a lot. Realness. When you say, back when I was still a sinner, they're like, yeah, that's why I'm not a Christian. But when you say, you know, this has been one of the hardest days of my life, hardest weeks of my hardest years. You know, the last two years haven't turned out the way I'd hoped, but I still know God's good and he's faithful. And that's why I'm sharing with you what I am. Because it's what I hold on to. When you share in a real way, even when your flesh says, don't care about anybody else, you don't even have room. God can work so powerfully during the night. You know, I'm so proud of Michelle. We've had one of the toughest couple years, year and a half of our life. And yet she's reaching out to friends, neighbors, the cycling club. Had about 60 different teens through our home, non-Christian teens in the last year and a half for dinner. Loving the teens, studying the Bible with the teens. Uh, partnering with our, our girls to help other teens, just going for it. Even last week, her 
PV bike girls said, Michelle, you need to do another Bible study. Um, you say, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm, in, I'm being inspired by Michelle. That's what I'm doing. The last, uh, the last example you see here is this whole concept of right next door. You know, often we feel that nobody's open. And Paul here had just tried to do something good, and he got beaten for it and opposed. And so rather than just running away and saying, I'm done, he did get a little mad. He said, your blood be on your own heads. I'm clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles, and I'm going to lunch. I'm taking a break. I'm going to go vent for a few weeks to God. I deserve it. I've been mistreated. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justice, a worshiper of God, Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. The Corinthian church was started after Paul went through a very difficult time. Do you think he was feeling really excited? No, I think it was duty. He walked out of the synagogue and he knew, if I go home, if I leave this city, it's going to be a step back for God and a step forward for Satan. But by my will for God, I'm going to listen to the Spirit and I'm just going to go to the first person I can talk to. So, I mean, he literally just goes next door. He didn't know how open they were, but God did. And the Corinthian church was started. Do you know the Philippian church was started when he went to go get his place of prayer? I mean, it's incredible what can happen right next door. I heard the story about Catherine Chump meeting the blessings and how the moving truck was in the driveway and Catherine felt, I haven't invited them, they're leaving! And she runs out at the 11th hour. And she hangs on the truck as it's driving down the street. No, I'm kidding. Um, and she, you guys you thought I was serious. And just share with them. And the blessings are such a blessing to this church. You know, I could have done better than that, but I was just having fun. But I'm so thankful for Catherine going, ah, wait! Why? Right next door. She had invited all kinds of people in her neighborhood. But God put that on her heart. There's people that are open right next door. Let me give you some practicals right here. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Here's here's the practicals for you. Do not be afraid. Do you know, people are afraid of public speaking almost more than death. We are afraid to talk to people. Not all the time but a lot, or just too consumed. Don't be afraid, he says. Keep on speaking. You don't have to do a good job at it. Just let the Spirit out. Take time to stop, look, and listen. And do not be silent. God says, I'm with you. No one's going to attack and harm you. I have many people. This is right after he got attacked, went to Titius Justice's house, then went, converted their family. He says, I have many people in this city, and he stayed for a year and a half there. What do we need to do? We need to stop, look, and listen. You know, the Bible uses farming illustrations all the time. And a kernel, one kernel of wheat in the ground produces a stalk bearing three heads of wheat. So one kernel of wheat in the ground produces a stalk bearing three heads of wheat. And each head, there's 15 to 35 kernels, all together producing somewhat close to 100 kernels from the stalk. I read this and I thought to myself, Jesus is so smart. Even if I didn't think that, he is. But he really is. You know, he talks about 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. That's how many are in a stock. I didn't even know that. And he says, or it says that if you take that original stock and you plant those kernels, 
they'll produce about 10,000 kernels. Original stock, three heads of wheat, 15 to 35 kernels in each one, 100 kernels from the stock total. You plant those, they produce 10,000 kernels. And if you take those 10,000 and replant those, they produce a million kernels. And it's amazing what one person can do if they just start with where they are, who they are, what they are, what they have, what they don't have, and just start there. What a picture of beautiful wheat waving. Who knows what impact our life will make long after we're gone from this whole concept of letting the spirit out. Let's stop in our lives. Let's take that short pause. Let's look around a little bit and let's listen to what the spirit's saying and let's take some risks and see what God is going to do. We're going to take communion right now and I'm going to put a scripture on the screen for you to meditate on before I pray. And this scripture is all about unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Let's meditate on this verse. Let's pray that prayer that's at the end of this scripture that I put in red as we take communion. Let's think about God glorify your name through my life by me letting the spirit out and taking time to stop, look and listen. Let's pray. God, thank you for the bread and the juice that represents your son's broken body and blood. It's so much more inspiring to think about self-denial and sacrifice when we think about you multiplying the impact of our lives. Father, thank you for thinking about us. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for sending AJ into my life to help me become a disciple and Jeff Wadstrom to help me become a disciple. And all of us have a story about someone that's helped us. And Father, if we're visiting today, help us be moved by the fact that you're trying to connect with every person in this room at all times. Help us be sensitive to your spirit and help us glorify your name not just as we take communion, but with our whole lives. In Jesus' name, amen.